0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Dave McMahon Unleashed on a beautiful day in Niagara Falls, broadcasting live at 4680q.com and 4680q.ca. With me in the studio is an awesome guy. I love this guy since the day I met him. We'll get into that in a little while. Frank Ungaro, or you could pronounce it Frank Ungaro, He'll tell us which way is the correct way. Third degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's an entrepreneur. He's a podcaster. He's a dog lover. And uh, he's an ice bath devotee, cold water therapy. He does it all, I'm telling you. Uh, Hey, Frank, welcome to my, my little podcast. Glad you could join me.
1: Great to be here, Dave, and great to see you again, together again. We T- spent uh, a couple of years together, it was great. Yes, yeah.
0: y- I had met you when you trained your beautiful Delia yeah. with me, your dog Delia. Yeah,
1: my uh, beloved uh, Cordelia.
0: Yeah, uh, Cordelia, my apologies. Yeah, oh, Delia me. was the short form. Yeah. And, and uh, you trained with me at the Dave McMahon Dog Academy in Niagara Falls. We did various levels of obedience, and uh, we had a good time with you, and you had a good time with us, and yeah. the dog enjoyed herself and uh and she ended up passing so any any interest in getting a new new dog in the new year uh ask my wife yeah we'll leave it up to her <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what when the kids get a little bigger i'm sure we'll uh we'll get back into it yeah yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah yeah I'm, and we'll see you yeah i mean we'll see I, you when that happens
0: any animals in the house aside from yourself that's it it's just me that's it. no yeah. cats no
1: fish macabre my, da- birds. My, my my eldest daughter is showing some promise but uh <laughs> other than that it's just uh, a bunch of humans yeah. um, you grew she's up pretty good at jiu-jitsu my my uh, eldest Margot, she's a little uh yeah little monster yeah you've she's got her
0: doing really well you've got her trained in the jiu-jitsu Absolutely.
1: she's born on the mat of course now we want to talk about that of course you grew up in Niagara falls
0: yeah born and raised yeah born raised and bred in Niagara falls
1: that's right. I moved out to Niagara-on-the-Lake uh, about 12 years ago just so I could get on some, some acreage and get away from uh, neighbors and stuff and a little bit of peace and quiet. But uh, other than that, you know, I live and work in, in Niagara Falls where my gym is and uh, all my friends are and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm well, here.
0: We want to talk about the, your beer label, we want to talk about your podcast, we want to talk about fishing, we want to talk about martial arts. When did you begin your uh, interest in martial arts?
1: Were you a little kid at the time? No, I was in my 20s, it was right after the first UFC, and uh, actually I think it was after the second UFC, it was such a long time So ago. that
0: inspired you, you saw the
1: UFC and you went, holy fuck, this is cool. Honestly, I saw Hoist Gracie hit an inverted armbar on Jason DeLucia, so yeah, that was UFC 2. And I knew at that moment I had to learn that. I didn't know what the hell happened, but I saw a guy upside down on his head win a fight. And uh, I literally called the school the next day and said, I want to fly down. And a week later, we were at the Gracie Academy. And you know what? That was the start of the journey and that was the cream of the crop that was the the best the gracie academy well, california was, right yeah it was the best and it was really you know the only that the revolution was just starting right and so uh you know we had a, I think we had one formal school in canada which was out west in vancouver marcus soros great school carlson gracie guys super tough uh but i figured if i was going to traverse the continent i was going to go right to the source uh, and the was my hero at the time right so um i wanted to learn from him and i wanted to learn from his instructors and and so we went down and we were paired with some people in the instructor certification program and at first i'm like oh i don't don't want these guys but then how badly they kicked my ass i was like i have plenty to learn with these guys (laughs) and you know a lot of those guys are still friends to this day uh guys like john burke and uh, uh mark Baumeister, my first instructor he passed away last year but uh just an amazing human and influence on my life and uh a bunch of other guys from that class uh Uh, John Crouch who I don't really know personally but I met a few times and he has the lab MMA down in uh, uh, Arizona he trained Mackenzie During when she first started, Benson Henderson, a bunch of other fighters so that was a real uh, cream of the crop uh, graduate class from the instructor certification program so I spent the next uh, 12 years there just going back and forth you know and uh, I was young I didn't have much money but I would you know I got my first credit card my buddy Dan uh said, you should get a credit card. And so I got a credit card, and we would run up the credit card, come back and work and pay it down. And when it was down, I'd go back. And so we did that once or twice a year, and then I was able to get a, a sales job uh, that took me there for my sales territory. So I, for, the, for, the, for 17 years, I was in and out of the state of California. And
0: but you're a passionate guy. When you get interested in something, you sink your teeth into it
1: just like a musky. Well, I mean, I do. And, I mean, jiu for me was a true calling. And, uh, you know, I did, I did my time. I did 17 years in the corporate world and, uh, but I soon realized that like, if I could monetize my passions, that's the key to true happiness, you know, do what you love. It's a cliche, but it's the truest thing in the world. I'm sure you, I'm sure you get that, you know, you're the the same. So I, I started, you know, and then I looked at fishing and, uh. You know, we we can get into that later. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Let's stay on to martial yeah, arts for yeah, sure. a bit. So you have your own successful martial art academy right here in Niagara
1: Falls. Yeah, we're on uh, Portage Road, right next to, uh, in between uh, Saint Antoine Church and Greek on Portage, and uh, used to be called Chatters, but uh, we're in that little strip mall there, Pasador Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Uh, if you go to Pasador BJJ, we're all over uh, social media and. Our website and yeah, it's extremely successful. It's uh, it's been doing great. It's uh, we're on fire. It's you know what everybody wants to learn jujitsu and and I say you know Joe Rogan's my marketing department. This has become such a huge social trend because people understand the value obviously of fitness and self-defense, but when you learn the skill of how to um, think and problem solve and execute under extreme duress, people start to understand that this affects all sorts of aspects of your life. And it's a big key to success in your job, in your personal relationships. It goes and, uh,
0: beyond oh, 100%. the school. It goes beyond. It goes into every little nook and
1: cranny of your life. You'd be surprised at how little the actual physical execution of the art is of benefit when you join a community like this. You're, you're, you're plugged into a network. You've got rich people, poor people, you know, big people, small people. You've got everybody, You know, educated people and, and, and not educated people. But nothing matters on the mat. The mat is just a community where you don't see color, you don't see status, it's just everybody helping each There's other. There's no room
0: for egos, no room for bullshit.
1: Ego is gone after your first day, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> ego leaves the building quickly. Yeah. yeah. It's gone. Because you're going to get that, right? Yeah.
0: You're going to get some macho tripping young guys coming in, when can I get my black belt?
1: Every single one, gone the first day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How did the COVID-19 bullshit affect your mm-hmm. martial art academy?
1: Well, you know we're a we're a service industry um, business, right? So it was tough. I mean, it was a tough grind. We uh, we've got really good students. I curate my students. I don't accept everybody that comes to the gym. Some some get nos, but I think because we had a great student body of people that understood, you know how important it was what we were doing. Understood how business worked. They stuck with us, and we were very lucky. I I used to always say to my wife that. Uh, Really lucky. We're, we're lucky, you know. It could be worse. We don't own a restaurant, right? I have friends in the restaurant. They business. took a hit, man. They're they still took... taking hits. <sighs> right? They're still taking hits. I was at a, a friend's restaurant in town, a good restaurant that everybody knows, hopping, super busy before COVID.
0: Probably a restaurant that I go to.
1: The place, I'll tell you after. Okay. The, the place to go for lunch in town. Yeah. And uh, I went there the other day, um, and it was it was empty at twelve o'clock. And he looks at me and he says, he shakes his head. He said they fucking killed me. These restaurant owners are hurting right now. A lot of them went into debt to stay open. And, uh, you know, the gyms, we didn't fare much better, but we fared a little better just because we have membership structures that, you know, people kept on. And we managed to uh, to still deliver beneficial services. We did a bunch of things during COVID that helped us deliver service. So we got through it. Yeah, And well, now we're busier than everybody.
0: Let's hope to go. Okay, good, good. Let's hope to God that you never have to be subjected or any of us Uh, to have some sort of a bad impact on our business like the COVID-19 did. I won't be. How many? 3,000 businesses, I think it was, closed? Yeah. Smaller businesses, 3,000 businesses in Canada
1: or something like that? Yeah, I think that's... Or was that Ontario? I can't remember the numbers, but... It was egregious because a lot of it was uh, unnecessary, so... Uh, you know what? Let's hope we're not going to be subject to that again. I can assure you I won't be.
0: I'm not going to ask you if you got all your shots.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or am I? Different talk for a different podcast. Yeah. Right? Taking good care of yourself is really important, Frank, and you've always done well by that. And uh, when you were a dog owner, you gave the best care to your dog at all times. But back to the care you give to yourself. Um, I understand that you are an ice bath practitioner, cold water therapy talk to me about that
1: yeah uh so really quickly like taking care of yourself a a brazilian jiu-jitsu session with a an open mat component so wrestling component you know you're doing six minute rounds uh you know for however long usually about an hour Uh, open mats we're doing six minute rounds for 90 minutes you're burning about 1200 calories and uh, it's fantastic to stay in shape because lean muscle mass burns fat when you're idle right and so that's the key uh, you get a little more forgiveness in your diet, and uh, it's wonderful. But, you know, it's it can be hard on the body. It depends. You can choose your path. You can be a, a hobbyist that just doesn't want to grind it out, easy rolls, get in shape, you know, be a part of something socially, yeah. right? And we've got guys that compete hard on the, on the world stage. Um, but what happens is, you know, you get, you get inflammation with any other physical activity. And Ice Pass, uh, they're a very good mental focus tool. Uh, we used to do them at the gym a lot, and now I'm going to be putting a tub in my home.
0: You did the, strongly. not to interrupt you, you did the ice bath oh, yeah, at the at gym? The
1: club. Yeah, we did, we brought a couple tubs in. and Holy uh, shit. Put, bringing the ice in got expensive after a while. Yeah. And a little messy, so we did it for a couple months, and it was awesome. Um, it's really good for inflammation, and so after sessions, we'd wait about 20 minutes, and then we would jump in and uh, stand for about five minutes, and uh, it's tough. You've got to really control your breathing. But you know, like I said, you're off air, You get out, you feel like you're 25 years old. Like, yeah, your inflammation is really subsiding, and uh, you know, there's a lot of mental focus issues that uh, that come along with it too. And I think I heard Rogan the other day saying, uh, you know, he, he doesn't feel as good on the days he doesn't when he doesn't start the day with an ice bath mentally. So a lot of benefits. It just I, opens everything up,
0: your mind. I think
1: so, and I think uh, I think the benefits are still coming out as this becomes a movement. Right, this is really growing in popularity. So I think we're gonna uncover as there's more studies and, and more trend, we're gonna uncover a lot more benefits to this. But uh, I feel it. So I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah.
0: And the te- the te- the ideal temperature for the the ice
1: water ice bath? About forty degrees. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how long have you been able to stay
1: I in the five ice? Five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, I had a student, man. I had a student one night. He did. Uh, oh, geez, I don't remember what he did. I think he did twelve minutes. Okay, now uh, I don't think I recommend that, and I don't think that long is necessarily better because he was in pretty rough shape after.
0: Now, a mutual <laughs> friend of ours into the dog world, Jason yeah. Shute, Jason, who was a past yeah, guest on Jason. my yeah. podcast, he said he built up to twenty minutes, and it took him a long, like quite a few months Jason's to get up to. Beast, you know, I was like twenty minutes, yeah. like I, I don't know if I could. Like I thought having a cold shower was <laughs> beneficial. Yeah, yeah. And
1: Jason's saying, oh, no, 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 this is a different ballgame. It's tough. You've, you know, you've got, to, you've got to know how to breathe. And if you panic when you get in, you're dead. It's tough. It's definitely a muscle you have to develop. There's no question about it. But you know what? It's very beneficial, especially when you mix the hot in with the cold. It's excellent. So. And you teach your students how to breathe if they don't know. Well, there is breathing in, in jiu-jitsu. It's probably the single hardest skill to learn. It's really hard to learn how to focus on exhaling and not focus on inhaling when you're getting tired you know pushing the the bad air out of the bottom of your lungs that you don't expel through natural breathing you know you take a natural breath out and then when you push more air out you realize there's a lot more bad air pooling the bottom of your lungs that you need to get out and replace with fresh oxygen so it's super hard i mean i'm 27 years in and i still struggle with it
0: yeah yeah what else are you doing for your for your health are you taking any supplements you want to Toot any horn or plug any uh-huh. supplements that you're taking that you wish to not talk really. about?
1: just protein and creatine. You're after. a meat eater,
0: you're a meat eater.
1: Yeah, so primarily meat and vegetables. But yeah. you know what, life is short, you know, and I'm Italian, so like, the yeah, odd pizza, the odd pasta, Sunday dinners, you know, in the winter. Right. You know what, I'm not going to say no to my mother-in-law's pasta, she makes the best yeah. pasta, so, you know, and <laughs> so I, have I own fun, a beer right? company, Dave, right, so yes. the odd, the odd, I don't drink very much, but the odd beer, so like, life is short, but... You know what? A lot of meat, a lot of vegetables. That's a staple, and it gets easier in the summer. I love smoking and all that sort of stuff—smoking meat. Yeah. Uh, I'm running my smoker and stuff like that. So now, what kind that. of smoker, Bradley? Smoker? I have a Weber Smoky Mountain. Oh. Yeah, I lump choke charcoal dials, kind of the old-fashioned way. Have you
0: ever heard of Ted Reader?
1: No.
0: Ted Reader is a acclaimed smoker and chef. He's written twenty-one books. Oh, he was on your podcast. He was on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, I this guy yeah. loves to smoke too. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Smoke yeah. meat. Yeah, yeah that, that was one. a
1: great episode. I remember Ted. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't too long ago yeah not too long
0: just a few weeks ago yeah Yeah. I remember and so um, this is the best smoker or this is what you're using for now and eventually you're going to get something different you're staying with this brand of smoker
1: Uh, I don't know we'll see I've actually paired up with uh, an old friend Brad Billard he has uh, Canadian Drum and Smoker Co on Instagram and we're doing an event on Saturday uh, this Saturday April 15th at Dragon Brewing and Wine at 4pm go Uh to go to uh, uh, Ugly Pike, um, Ugly Pike Brewing on Instagram. This the food. Did you see that the food? I game. seen the pictures of the food. This guy makes the best barbecue I ever had, and I used to go to Texas all the time. For work. Yeah. This stuff. You didn't... would legit go to Texas. I had an officer when I was when I was in my old profession, but this guy makes a sandwich out of macaroni and cheese. Like it's not bread; it's pressed macaroni. And yeah. cheese.
0: you See that? Yeah. 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 Oh my god! Like the actual sandwich. stabilizer. The the instead of bread, it's the mac and, cheese.
1: Mac and cheese. And then he's got pop stuff. we
0: gotta go there i'm just talking to my buddy dave yes, kaufman
1: i'm telling you if you don't go early it's gonna sell out so it starts at 4 p.m on saturday and i would make a reservation so reservation information on ugly pike podcast facebook and ugly pike brewing uh, and ugly pike podcast instagram uh reserve your seats and it's gonna be awesome and so you're at a brewery right yeah uh, dragon brewery they're our partners we love them and uh you, you got all sorts of beers to choose from, you know.
0: Dragon Breweries.
1: Yeah, Dragon Brewing and Wine. It's just... St. Uh, kit, St. Catharines. Uh, bottom of the Skyway, get off the first exit, Niagara there, and jump to the other side, and they're right back on Grantham there. So super close. they got a great patio. I don't know if it'll be open or not. Depends on the weather. Fingers but, crossed. Uh, I don't really care. I'm going for the... Podium. i gotta
0: get him. I got to get him to come on the podcast to talk about everything he's doing down there.
1: Yeah, Mike. Put us together, please. Put me together with I, Mike. I, I absolutely will. Mike is a... Uh, Extremely hard worker, extremely smart guy, and experienced guy, and, and has a lot to bring to the table. I'm sure he'd be a great talk. Yeah, He's a really smart guy when it comes to beer and wine and and, and uh, the craft of making alcohol and and, and the business of running it. Yeah. And
0: it seems so competitive now. There's so many of them.
1: Uh, yeah, the micro breweries. You know what? Yeah, it's a competitive space. But I guess we went to beer, right? And we're jiu jitsu. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> we're going to jump around. I've got a okay. short attention span as you know. Um, so, what, yeah. okay, you've got your own beer. Whatever made you decide you wanted to get into making your own beer? And by the way, I've had the pleasure of having Ugly Pike beer because you gave us some yeah it's a pills nerve. and william brunyansky
1: yeah, right, yeah right. right i was texting him right before i came yeah, yeah william
0: like he loves your beer sure his your beer is for sale at his restaurant karma chameleon yeah yeah
1: so you know what the thing with william is like i don't know him right i just know him from our little yeah interactions right and then i went and sat with him and like yeah to get a guy who is so esteemed right he, yeah he used to cook at the uh, he's a chef at the Ritz Carlton in Florida. Man. Yes, so, and, he,
0: and he's cooked for so many famous people yeah, as well.
1: He's he is a, a sophisticated palate. He, and and if you eat the food there, you know it's in Thorold, but like it's a it's a destination. People travel hours to go and get his food. Yes, and just to be accepted by someone that has that sort of standard of quality, uh, I think speaks a lot to how we nailed this recipe. We really took the the IBU the bitterness ranking down. To, towards where lagers are, we wanted an easy drinking beer, but still had a medium finish. So you don't get that hoppy bitter taste that smacks you at the end. Yeah, it some, just goes uh, away.
0: I love it. I love that there's no weird aftertaste. Now I'm just trying to think of what I have. It's it's a blonder lighter. Is it just the one that we you just have? We have
1: the pilsner right now. The pilsner. Uh, it um, is
0: so yeah. good. My wife likes it, and she's not
1: really a beer drinker. So we get that all the time. We get we. I like it, and I'm not a beer. We're getting that from everybody, and. Uh, it's the, it's the medium flavor profile without the, the funk that I think drives a lot of people away from craft beer. And uh, you know what? We're really happy that we're going to be in 400 LCBO stores in two weeks. We ship out. Uh, by June 1st, we'll be in uh, 30 uh, beer stores. We're in seven regional stores. So two in St. Catharines, Scott, and I think Lakeport is the other one. Uh, a bunch in Fort Erie, Stony Creek. Uh, uh, none in Niagara Falls, but you can go to Camiso's and get it. We have yes. a huge end display right I just bought some at Camiso's. Yeah, yeah, my, Mike over there. They're really great. They support us, and they're really great at supporting local. And, of course, everybody knows Camiso's as a, a place that curates, you know, some of the, the best uh, specialty foods, right? And oh. I love the place. Uh, that's I where bu- they, they bust my balls there when I go there. Oh, you should get a job here. Huh? Yeah, yeah. They're always there. I, they're I great. Like I, I love build, the family, too. or four times a week.
0: And I love the triple mix. I love their oh, yeah? t- pork, veal, and beef. There you go. And when I make my meatballs, I went and got veal and hamburger this time. That's how I did my ah, meatballs. Cool. But, um, no, the beer, you've got sales experience, marketing experience. Yeah. You've got huge logistic experience. And I think it's great that your beer is taken off on a distribution level mm-hmm. the way it has uh, so fast, I guess. Wow. Well, that, and you're,
1: like, it's growing fucking huge. That's been the key, right, is showing up our distribution because... We had sewn up already things that new businesses struggle with, marketing, right? So one of the reasons we did this venture, and Mike Nazareth over at Dragon approached us with the project, and he said, you already have a marketing audience set. All you have to do is tell them about this beer. We have so many listeners. We have almost a quarter of a billion downloads for our show, right? And so we have a lot of listeners, and, and it made a lot of sense to get into this space and, uh, and to market to them. And uh, you know what? The distribution is going well, A, because the product is good. And B, because we have a great social message. Like we give part of our profits back. Uh, we have a partnership with Muskies Canada. And they do all sorts of multi-species fish conservation uh, initiatives, studies, and that sort of thing for conservation. And uh, there's a big charity component to it. And people love the message. Um, they love that we have an audience. And uh, you know what? We talk about our partners on our show and our social media. It's a win-win. It's, it's full a circle partnership that we yes. present to the, to the businesses that support us. We wanna we wanna present them and mention them and drive traffic to them. It's a true partnership. So we have a, a very good cohesive marketing strategy and it makes us different. And that's why people are really latching onto this
0: but I mean the product is perfect I, I'm gonna recommend it to everyone I mean when you get people that aren't when you get girls and guys that aren't beer drinkers and they're like yeah i will have a sip of that give yeah. me a little bit yeah. and that's what blows my mind they're like this is good these are wine drinkers yeah. who yeah. normally don't even like beer they yeah. say it's bitter it has a funny aftertaste sure. yeah and you can pair your beer with anything yeah. you can have it with your pizza you right. can have it with your
1: well with barbecue like this event that it's great we did a tasting with this barbecue stuff and my God, it, it paired so well. Uh, this time next year, we'll have a light lager out. I think we're going to do a light lager next. Whether that's a lager or a light beer, I'm not sure. We're still kind of testing the market. But, you know, we cater first and foremost to anglers and outdoors people, cottagers and campers. Yeah. And that's a big market for light beer. Yeah. And, uh, so we'll see.
0: So no no
1: uh, dark uh, dark ales or coffee sort of beer? You see. I, I think you'll see an IPA maybe a third or fourth in our SKU, but not up front. Okay. I, th- okay. I think we will get there just for the sake of having variety, but we're not gonna be there for a while. We we know who our audience is and that's who we're catering to. We're loyal to we're loyal to the anglers that are loyal to us. We're loyal to that community. And and real quickly on the backstory, you know, when 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 Mike Nazareth approached us for the Talk brother, talk brother He approached us about three years ago to do this project and, and we actually turned it down. And um, COVID changed everything because what happened was you know, they close the fishing docks in a lot of communities. You know, you can't go fishing because you get get COVID, right? Of course.
0: I couldn't believe that when I was told that we couldn't go fishing. Well, you know what? I mean, we were told
1: that we couldn't go fishing. Right. And that's like, <laughs> but, but the greater implications, and if you read the back of our can, it talks about the cultural fabric of Canada is sewn together with hunters and anglers. Yeah. That's who we are. And so if you miss exposing a generation or two to these great Canadian pastimes, what is that going to do to our country, to the cultural fabric of our country, who we are yeah. as Canadians, right? Exactly. And so It's I like saw, taking
0: away our oxygen.
1: Right. And so, like, the beer made all sorts of sense when Mike came back to us after COVID and said, hey, you know, what do you think now? You know, now you're bigger, you have a bigger marketplace. And uh, just tying that message in with a beer, which is also a Canadian pastime, right, at the cottage, after fishing, you know what, it, it all just made sense. You know, and, and again, the time was right, boom, and now we're just... it's getting so big, I can't believe it.
0: How long did it take you to get from the planning stage of the beer to now we can drink it and it's ready and for sale?
1: (laughs) Well, the project itself has only been about eight months. Holy
0: shit, so you've been clipping at a good uh, speed.
1: I tell you, Mike is a beast. He works hard, and so do we. My partner, Chris Walter, uh, he's an architect. He lives in Saudi Arabia, Uh, but he's a Canadian boy. We grew up together, and... uh, we you work hard. You got do. the great product, the great people. We have a great team. We do. We, we You know what? And you said, you know, this is a very competitive space, but like when we were doing this, we had all the confidence of the world. Like, you're not going to stop this team. Like, we, we got three guys that know what they're doing, and uh, it's awesome. It's really awesome to be part of this team. And everyone has their role, and everybody's nailing it right now. We're working hard. We're building relationships, and uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: Plug that microbrewery again, please. In the Dragon event. Brewing
1: and Wine, yeah, Saint K- in Saint Catharines. Yeah. yeah, check them out. They've got their own beer line. It's fantastic. Uh, a whole bunch of different SKUs. Uh, they contract brew for a lot of interesting brands. But uh, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm really proud. So, really quickly about their beer makers, we we had about seven options. They gave us seven baseline options, right, for our beer. We narrowed it down to two. I had a bunch of taste tests that I did with people I know, people I trust. Went and sat with Dom and Claudio over at the Casamia. You know those guys have yep. really good palates, right? They're practically sommeliers. Did, had a big dinner party one night, and we did all this blind taste testing. We narrowed it down to two. I, you know, I picked the Pilsner with a lot of influence from from the taste testing we did, and uh, you know, I asked them to make a certain change, take down the bitter, take down the hop. They did. They gave us a new batch. Take down the bitter, take down the hop. Third batch, they nailed it. And so uh, the beer makers at that brewery are exceptional. Like really, really talented to get into my mind with the way I was communicating to them and somehow just absolutely nail what I was looking for. Now,
0: prior to all this, were you a beer drinker in any way, shape, or form? I'm or not ju- a drinker. You're not much of a drinker. Uh, you know what? I like, Toker?
1: Uh, we, well, I mean, hey, you know, it's legal now. <laughs> you know. um, I don't like smoking. You know, I don't. I've gotten away from it, right? Yeah. So, like, occasionally I'll mix in some CBD, maybe a little bit of light THC, just for injury and and, and inflammation. But, I should have brought some. But no, I can't. Not no. on Wednesdays. I gotta. I. I not on Hump Day. I teach and train all night, and yeah, you got shit to do. A, yeah, you're responsible. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's 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 never, it's never until the work's done, right? Especially if I'm, you know, overseeing you know wrestling you've got a lot of credits. responsibility and there's there's youth and there's people and it's course, important yeah, shit yeah, we've got lots of kids in our program and you know i need to be a role model and you just need to have your wits about you there's a lot of moving parts and uh it's tricky but uh i've never been much of a drinker but the odd beer sure yeah, absolutely, yeah yeah
0: but you knew that you that you nailed it when you sipped this and you said this is it
1: it was just what I was looking for, and it's it just so happens to have translated really well into the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dave, my friend Dave
1: Kaufman, he's got
0: to try it. I got to get some for him. He's going to love it.
1: You know what? I would have brought some, but uh, we're a little early today, and <laughs> I can't drink on Wednesdays. The day, my Wednesdays are just monsters. So. A matter of
0: three streets away, we can go grab some afterwards. Yeah, exactly. We probably will for sure, yeah. Okay, your podcast, Ugly Pike Podcast. Ugly Pike Podcast. Holy shit, that thing's taken off. As you mentioned yeah. earlier... Lots of fucking downloads.
1: Lots of downloads, uh, about a quarter million in 80 countries, which really shocked us. Um, I know my partner doesn't like when I say this, but I said at the onset, if we get 100 downloads, we'd consider this project a success. We had no idea. Um, and right now, we're on the brink of um, being absorbed by the biggest fishing media company in the country and uh, going to do a huge project with them. I can't really announce it just yet, but... This is, like, massive. Well, thanks for the little teaser. Thanks for the little teaser. It's never been done in the country before with the podcast medium, what we're about to do. And uh, it's going to expose us uh, to millions and millions of listeners. uh, Good for you. Hopefully millions of beer drinkers as well. You and your team deserve it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? This is our fifth year of, you know, it's just hard work is important, like. This was always a fun project. We never expected to monetize. Chris and I did this to get away from all the business we were doing as kind of a, a fun thing to do, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and now look at it. <laughs> it. Yeah, and and you know what? And, and even people in the industry say, you know, you know, maybe when we spoke four or five years ago, you know, we get a lot of people that want to, you know, establish relationships with us just because we can help them. But we've seen how hard you guys have been working. We never missed, you know, we missed two deadlines uh, in publication. We didn't, we, they're self-imposed deadlines. We like to publish every two weeks. That's going to change to weekly very shortly. But um, we always managed to push out content. We were never paid for it. And it was just passion. And people appreciate that. And, and it's being recognized now. You know, we we, we look I, I, really good. One of the best fishing guides in the area is, is Paul Castellano, Cast Fishing Adventures. Guys, if you want to go on the Lower Niagara, this is the guy. But uh, he said to us at a show the other day, he said, "I'm just so so impressed at how uh, much work you guys are putting out and how much passion and you know." And, and he wants to work with us a little more now, and, and we we love him, so we will. But uh, when when you when you stick with something and you show passion, you know what you're going to get results. True passion. It's true. It is so oh, yeah, true. Look at you, you're the same, right? I'm passionate about helping people.
0: Passionate about training people to train their dogs. I love it. I love it. You can tell. I look
1: forward to going. It's authentic. It's not a chore. Yeah, exactly.
0: So for those that haven't heard your podcast, obviously it's about fishing. What else can they expect to learn
1: or hear? Uh, Well, it's about musky fishing. Because it's very
0: niche. Yeah, it's very niche. So it's about musky fishing. It's about musky
1: fishing, right? So the apex predator, the hardest fish in freshwater to catch, the fish of 10,000 casts, so you're going to hear a lot about fishing, don't get me wrong, but we talk about a lot of the lessons learned and in, in what it takes discipline-wise and character-wise to devote your life to going after a fish. Like, sometimes I have whole seasons where I never caught a fish, a fish. An entire season. Last year on the Niagara, I didn't catch. I caught in other waters, but I didn't catch anything on the Niagara last year. I fished my brains out. Now, why is that? Have you, have you 10,000 catches is the hardest. And there's not a lot of muskies in the Niagara River, right? So, but it just so happens to be my, my backyard. So, okay. uh, Despite all of that, I do, I do fish it, but it's like jujitsu. There's a lot of other things. When you, when you set these lofty goals for these impossible tasks, you learn a lot about yourself and you develop a lot of, uh, of attributes and uh, that's the kind of other stuff you're going to hear about. We talk about MMA sometimes and, and fights. Hey, Chris, did you see the fight? And you know, so it's like a real, yeah. it's a real, uh, it's a real good time. It's uh, yeah, you're loose. You're having a good time. We're loose, but you know what? I mean, you got to be somewhat into <laughs> to like this podcast. So, you know. but uh, it's great. I, I think what you're going to see when we expand this new media deal is uh, some more uh impromptu episodes where we're talking about this this and that because we're getting a lot of good feedback about the uh a lot of times in the year in review episodes we just kind of talk about whatever and we're getting a lot of good feedback when we're not structured and not scripted and just kind of chatting and talking about whatever even outside of fishing so i think we'll see more of that with the show when we go to the four uh four times a month publication schedule um but we'll see i think that's how we're going to truly grow this so
0: what can you tell my audience about the muskie species that they might not know anything else you can tell us about them, other um, than they're really freaking hard to catch I sometimes. Think, I think
1: that's what people know, right? I think that's the main thing. That, they have teeth. Well, they have They're aggressive. Teeth. Yeah, yeah, they, they really <laughs> The are. obvious. Yeah, that's an apex predator, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, I can't tell you a lot, but what I will tell you is there's nothing, there's no other feeling, very few people in the world get to meet a fish like this. And by meet, I mean take the hook off, Put your hand in the gills and lift it out of the net, which is a, an unnerving process. I've seen
0: your pictures on Facebook. Right.
1: But to lift a 50-inch or a 55-inch fish out of the net predator like this, put the hands into the into the gill, just the the gill edge. You don't touch the gills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hoist the fish like that up in your arms. You will never have an experience like that. It is truly life-changing. And it's uh, it's a little unnerving. It's very unnerving to some people. When you got to get your hands under there and the fish thrashes and oh, you know what, but you do it, you hoist it up, you take your picture, you revive the fish, hold it by the tail, you feel the muscles start to fire as it comes back and gets its energy and swims away. That's, that's a really rewarding part about it all and uh, that's really the takeaway if I wanted to impart something on someone who was thinking about going after this fish is the, uh, the peaks and valleys just like jiu-jitsu, right? There's a lot of low lows. One day you suck, one day you feel great, one day you suck, one day you Ups feel Ups and great. downs. A lot of peaks yep. and valleys, right? And so you, you learn to navigate them and the peaks become extremely rewarding and uh, it's just like life, right? So you learn to navigate life by challenging yourself with these high peaks and valleys, you know, activities, jujitsu, musky fishing, anything else that is at the upper echelon of difficulty whatever you're
0: can you in. tell the gender of musky when you take it out can you just tell right there uh, yeah. Or do you have to really sit there and, and give it a good exam You can
1: tell by the fins but usually it's the size you know that gives it away yeah when you get a fish that is uh, especially in the late season that is extremely girthy and 50 inches or over it's almost always a female the, the men are always, the males are always almost uh, always smaller yeah yeah and they're, the, not, they're not taking eggs on right so and the biggest fish that you've caught to date personally. Unofficial 55 inches, official 51 inches. Oh yeah. shit! The 51's on uh, on the slide that you posted on your social media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the picture I'm wearing a green That's shirt. a big freaking fish. That was an fish. awesome fish. That was the hardest fish I ever caught. I was the that thing was a brute. We thought, I thought it was snagged on the bottom when I hooked that fish.
0: Whenever Frank would post a picture of a big ass fish, I'd always say sick. Fish Frank. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's what yeah. I would say. I didn't know what else to say other than holy shit, that's a freaking big fish. Yeah, Could've said was,
1: that, you know. That was a great day, right near the Quebec border, that fish. That was awesome.
0: Now do they, they these muskies,
1: they growl? No. They make funny sound like a catfish? No. No, they don't. No. I, I was just down in Miami <laughs> catching uh saltwater fish and there's a lot of grunting from puffers and stuff like that that we were catching, but muskies don't talk they don't have to talk right there yeah when you're <laughs> that powerful anything, right hey silent but deadly it's like uh big polly and good right he, he didn't have to move for anybody he never had to raise his voice right so no they're the boss they don't have to they don't have to raise their voices they just everybody goes the other way when they're around so except for us we look for them yeah and you've got your you have your own boat yeah i have a fishing boat yeah, yeah. talk boat. about the boat uh, i have a lund uh, explorer i uh honestly i told you i did 17 years in the in the corporate world and when I hit the eject handle, um, I, that year I worked exceptionally hard. I worked for two companies. Uh, and, uh, when I pulled the ripcord, I said, you know, again, life is short. I'm buying my dream boat and I'm going to fish. And, uh, that's what I started doing. And, And then Chris came at me with this media project and everything seemed to make sense. So Chris is my podcast partner. He was the one who said, Hey, do you want to do a fishing podcast? And, you know, of course, a week later we were talking into microphones. We didn't know how we were doing.
0: There's a podcast that I plan to listen to uh, sometime after dog class when I'm home and I can just relax and concentrate. Um, and I saw the brief synopsis of what this podcast will contain. So you've re- you've, this podcast has been released, I believe. Canadian uh, Shield waters. Uh, talk about that if you wouldn't mind, uh, Leapfrog casting technique. I mean, how much oh, you... Oh, d- that's our episode. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, that was so this we is did it re- yesterday. We this <laughs> is yesterday's episode. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I can catch this
1: at my leisure. Well, of course, yeah. We, we're on any podcast app, so you can download yeah. it at your leisure. Uh, but if you go to UglyPikePodcast.com, we have embedded players. If you're not a podcast person yeah. and you just want to go to a website, you can just click play on any of the episodes and you can listen. But that's uh, Matt O'Brien. He's uh, one of the best guides in the world for muskie. And uh, you know what? French River, Canadian Shield... But can you understand happy. this, Frank, if you're a novice?
0: Or you know I mean, or do you have to be like seasoned? I mean, it's very niche your
1: your podcast. If you're a novice and you're open to listening to something that you're not part of that world, but you and you want to learn? You yeah, can absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very important to note that this po- again, this podcast was a fun project okay. that we made only to get better as fishermen. We never intended for any of this to happen. We we selfishly did this so that we could almost pretend we had a show to get these legends on, right? Right. To, to, to give us information so we could curve our, shorten our learning curve. Yeah. So what ended up happening is... Very good. My, my strong point, Dave, in very my corporate good. life was I was always the guy who was able to find the decision maker and to get them to return my calls. I was very good at it. So what we did was early on, we, we targeted Italo Labignan. Italo is a Canadian fishing institution, Canadian sport fishing TV show. He lives in Port Colborne, and I knew that. So I I, I sent him a message, and I said, hey, do you remember the people that helped you on the way up? We're looking for help. Long story short, he came to our studio. Chris was still living here at the time. uh, And he gave us the time of day, and we did an episode with him. So we were able to take that and go to other very famous anglers in media and say, hey, look, Italo just did our show. Will you do it. And so we took it to a guy Once you get one, once you get one. So we took it to Al Lindner, who is the king of American freshwater fishing, Lindner Angling Media, I think they sold that company for $20 million bucks or something. He's the king. You can watch Ang- Linder's Angling Edge on any fishing network show. Everyone who's put a hook in the water knows who this guy is. After that episode, we went from only getting downloads when we published to getting downloads 24-7. Like our downloads, I'll sit on my computer. I know this is a little sad, but I'll just keep them, <laughs> Every now and then, I'll just hit refresh. And we're always getting downloads every second of every day. And it's because of that. It's because of that approach. And, uh, It's your
0: approach, it's the content, and it's... And Al Linder.
1: Al Linder was a game-changer for us. And, uh, if Al did the show, then everybody else knew that, you know, they could do the show. And that, that was a big springboard for us. Huge.
0: I know you're a fan of Joe Rogan's podcast. I am as well. Rogan's a fisherman. I know he, he
1: hunts, he... He's a, he's a, he's a hunter. Yeah, I think he's a... I think he fishes as well. Yeah, I I'm not. he fishes, but not hardcore, like hunting. Um, I probably listen to one in every 10 or 15 Rogan podcasts. I... I don't love all the guests. Like, I, I want to listen to the things that I'm interested yeah. in. And I listen to a lot of other podcasts. So yeah. I'm very pressed with my time. But, uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I've had a couple chats with him online. Uh, he seems like a really great guy. And yeah. uh, I really love what he's doing uh, for a lot of us. Uh, he, he's a very important guy right now for just letting people have their voice. You know, like, doesn't matter what you think, what you believe. It's important that people can be heard. And I think he's really important for that right now. But yeah, he's he's a great advocate for hunting and, and, and angling. And and you know, people don't really understand what how big a stewards of the environment we are. Like there is no greater steward of the environment than hunters and anglers. And we we cherish these fish and, and like I said, we revive these fish and we respect these fish. Yeah. We, we don't eat these fish. You know, sometimes I'll eat a walleye here and there, but um and, and hunting too, you know, like people get upset about sometimes about hunting and they don't realize that like things like um like uh, like maintenance tags and stuff like that. Like when an animal gets out of breeding breeding age, they'll they'll chase away the fertile male young males uh, away from packs, away from food sources, right? And and that can drive a population down. So when you're when you're using like I think it's called a management tag. I think I misspoke. But when you're using a management tag, a lot of times you're taking animals out that are burdens to the species because they're dominating. Because they're aggressive mm-hmm. and they're not reproducing. Mm-hmm. And they're not letting the species flourish. So with guys like him and Steve Rennell and stuff like that, um, these are people that care deeply for the environment and are amazing stewards for the environment. And I think that that needs to be kept in perspective. It's important.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the uh, the interesting meat. That you're a meat lover like I am. Meats. You love your meat. I love it. And I know you're open-minded. What exot-
1: I had the live octopus. I used to live oh, That's Japan. what I was going to uh, ask
0: you. What exotic meat have you ate? You lived yeah, in Japan well, I for lived how in long? Japan.
1: I lived in Japan for a year. I went there to study judo at the Kodokan, which is the school that uh, gave birth to the art of judo, Jigoro Kano School in Osaka. Uh, the Tokyo is the main dojo, but Osaka was his second. And uh, I used to have buddies, and I used to say, take me for crazy food. I want stories. So, you know, fish heads, fish brains. And the one time we walked into a uh, a place where the bottom of the restaurant was all fish tanks, and you just pointed. And so I pointed at a red snapper. The guy gets the net, puts it in a bag, and hands it to me. And I'm holding this red snapper, and the bag is shaking. And uh, I said to my buddy, "You pick something." And there's there's all these tanks, and then there's Jeez. a styrofoam box. It looks like there's a quivering puddle of puke in it, right? And yeah. I'm like, Don't please don't pick that. Please don't pick that. He walks right over to it, points to it. It's an octopus. Guy picks it up, starts spraying ink everywhere, puts it in a bag. We're in an elevator with our shaking bags. You <laughs> give it to a guy. You, you come out the elevator. There's a guy right there at the counter. He takes it. ba 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 Dices it up. Hands it to you. Still moving. And you're, you're peeling the octopus tentacles, the suction cups off your teeth. Like, <laughs> do, Dave, it was Holy fuck. Do. It was delicious. Tasty? Ra- t- tasty. I ate raw deer there. So deer sashimi. Raw deer. Unbelievable. I heard of that once. Super high-end. I forgot uh, that existed. There's yeah. a raw sashimi. Yeah. Yeah. deer oh yeah yeah um a lot of stuff what did it board. taste like it was just delicious i don't know you know the, uh, like real gamey no no, <laughs> no 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 it wasn't it was fresh tasty that's the thing right it was fresh it was just amazing it wasn't gamey at all and uh, i mean deer is not my favorite meat but i do i do enjoy it um i like to make a deer chili but uh you know what i go to norcini in town i love those guys. i love them yeah and yeah Robbie's i get some of their dad.
0: their age steaks yeah, yeah they've so, got some
1: great age steaks. You or... know, it's really important to know your food source these days. They they know the farms they deal with. They have uh, you know really good grass fed products. Um, I started cooking with grass fed uh, broth, and right away my joints and inflammation feel much better because of all the collagen they have in it. So you know, know your butcher, know your food source. You know, and have relationships with these people. I love that place, Dave. I'm there almost every day. I love them. I love those guys in there.
0: I'm a big fan of cooking on the cast iron pan. Me
1: too. Everything cast iron.
0: Throw a burger, throw a uh, like 100%. some ground chuck, yep. a little salt and pepper, that's it. Yep. Throw a nice uh, grass-fed steak on the cast iron pan. 100%. And you enjoy it too. A lot of guys seem to be loving the, the gas, nice cast iron. iron
1: cooking. I'll tell you what really changed things for me this year was um, in the winter I started doing sous vide, right? And I've so never
0: tried it, but everybody tells
1: me about it. Game changer. It. So especially for my lifestyle, I can go to the gym. I can put a steak in the sous vide, right? It's, it's, it's a backpack. Yeah. Robbie at Norcini cut some spices and backpacks them for me. Throw it in. Go teach for four hours. Come home. Take it out. It's ready. And then it's one minute aside in the cast iron instead of, you know, two or three or however you like your steak. And the house doesn't get smoky and gross, right? It's, it's a quick sear just to get that that crust. even uh, Perfectly even uh, cook, medium rare, and tastes unbelievable. It really changed things for me. So super convenient for my lifestyle, especially if you guys work. Before you go to work, you can you can put it on. When you get home, like I said, touch it. One minute aside, you have the perfect piece. In there. Is
0: there a brand of sous vide?
1: Like, what, what did you go on yeah, Amazon? it's simple. I, I don't know what the brand. Okay. is. My wife got it for me for Christmas. But they're all relatively comparable. Oh or? yeah, it's it's simple, David. All it is is it's a wand you clip to a pot. Right. And it runs a fan and a heater, and you set the time, and it holds that temperature. So the cook, I I do it to 117 degrees for beef, the cook stays at that, it doesn't go any higher than the temperature of the water. Beauty. You can keep that there for 5, 10 hours if you want. You get home, cut the bag open, boom, boom, sear, sear, you literally have the perfect steak. Changed everything, game changer for me.
0: Now, when we had Ted Reeder, the barbecue king on Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, I had asked Ted about this theory, the concept of the, you know, when you have your steak, put it on the counter, let it reach room temperature then put it on the grill or cast-iron pan. Ted doesn't believe that. Ted believes, and Ted's been a chef all of his life, and the guy's 60-something years old, and he's a, you know, he's, he's written a lot of books. He knows his shit, has his own restaurant. He says, from the fridge to the cast-iron pan steaks, from the fridge to the grill. What is your take on that? Do you let the beef, like a steak, sit to room temp, or not necessarily? I, I'm not going I'm not going to You're not going to argue with
1: Ted Reeder. I'm not going to argue with a guy like that, but no. I mean, <laughs> I've always been told that you want the room temperature for an e- a more even cook, right? The uh, okay, okay. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, sometimes I have time to do it, Dave, and sometimes I don't. And I'm not sure I, r- I recognize the difference.
0: Yeah, I'm going to follow what Ted said.
1: I think so. Ted that's said probably just, a good idea. Ted's
0: like, just bring it right from the fridge yeah. and, and put it on your hot cast iron pan. He loves cooking on the cast iron pans.
1: You know what? With the sous vide. You're not supposed to do this, but I do this when I'm in a pinch. You can. You color. You've been known fro- to color outside the lines, Frank. Yeah, you can do it, from, <laughs> Dave, You can do it from frozen, even. You know, so I'll I'll chuck a frozen one in the pot and, like I said, go teach for four hours and best steak you ever had.
0: Speaking of frozen, my mother used to believe in putting a frozen roast in the pot in the oven because as it's cooking, it's constantly basting itself, oh and it was very tender. It really yeah, was okay.
1: I can see it. Yeah, I'm a big. She, de- I, I like to deglaze. I yeah. like to cook in a Dutch oven, so yes. I like to make that stock before I, before I braise anything. I'm not sure about doing it from uh, Dutch oven. I mean, look, the taste is the bottom line, right? Yeah. If you, if you taste it, and it was great. Then, have you ever
0: cooked fine. with a tagine? The Moroccan tagine. Uh, Dutch oven, I think. Same go, thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. fuck. Here, I thought I oven wanted changed, to sound smart.
1: change changed my <laughs> life, man. you love it.
0: Oh, God. Dutch it. oven can mean something else, too, though. Yeah, that's not but the we won't go to I, cook there. No, I cook with. Different podcast. the a
1: real Lagostina <laughs> Dutch oven. You can, the, the really good things, uh, the good ceramic ones, you can saute in them, and that's for deglazing. You can get a really good stock when you're making chicken whatever. It's very versatile, more so than you think.
0: Frank Split. Hungero. Frank Hungero. great to have a, a chit-chat with you. You're awesome, man. Glad you were here. You made the podcast wicked special.
1: Dave, I appreciate coming. I want to say hello if they're listening to Adriana, Margo, and Mira. Love you guys, and I'll see you soon.
0: Take care. Peace, brother. All right, man. Ciao.